You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Proud to be married to one. Um, we do have our, our uh, Mother's Day celebration. That's going to be uh, towards the end of the service. Um, just in placement and transition, it's just where it worked best. But uh, that didn't stop me from being curious in Google searching Mother's Day jokes. Um, I was feeling funny. And so I read, and I, this is a disclaimer, again, just because they say they're jokes doesn't mean they're funny. They're just jokes. But I'm going to read them nonetheless. A uh, Sunday school teacher asked uh, little Johnny, said, Johnny, tell me, do you pray before you eat? Do you pray before any of your meals? I said, no, ma'am. My mom's a good cook. I never had to pray. I knew that stuff coming in was going to be all right. Son says to his friend, I think my mom is getting pretty serious about my room getting clean. And the friend asks, well, how do you know? And the son says, she's learning to drive a bulldozer. (laughs) This was a tweet from Twitter. If you don't know what that is, it's social media. And if you don't know what that is, it just adds to the humor of this This guy tweeted, whoops, I just accidentally told my mom Happy Mother's Day to her face instead of on a social media site that she doesn't have an account for. (laughs) I love that. I love those sweet and endearing posts to a mom that will never see that post. It's just for everybody else. A son was getting embarrassed by his mom. He had friends over and um, his mom was trying to make everybody laugh and embarrass the son primarily. And he just said, Mom, quit. You're not good at making jokes. And she looks at him and says, I made you. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Don't get on Mama like that. She'll come back with that double-edged sword cut right through you and embarrass you in front of everybody. Today, just in review of what we talked about last week, the first thing, this has to be present. Jesus is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. Amen? He's either Lord of everything in your life or he's not Lord of anything in your life. There's no in-between. There's no, the Lord can have this, but he can't have this. He can have it all or he doesn't get any of it. And we realize this, and this revelation came. This is a true statement that none of us would think to be extremely profound. We would kind of say, well, yeah, of course. But when you actually begin to look at the reality of that statement, is Jesus Lord of all or is he not Lord at all in my life? You recognize that that's a, a very profound statement and has a lot of weight in our stories and came to this revelation of just really asking myself that question because you begin to ask yourself these kind of things and see things differently when you face uncertain times. And last week we talked about that there are are two responses to uncertain times. If you want to turn to Exodus 14, we'll be there again. But there are two responses, responses to uncertain times, and that is either press in or turn back. That is it. 
You can either press into what the Lord has, although it may be uncertain. You don't know the path that he's going to lay. You don't know how he's going to provide a way. You either press into it or you turn back to bondage. Press into breakthrough or turn back to bondage. Exodus 14, we'll start in verse 11. says, They said to Moses, It is because there are no graves in Egypt. Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So many of us have that mentality even right now. It would be better for me to stay with what's comfortable. Though it be bondage and though it be what I am not made. It is absolutely against all that you are made for. Bondage is not what you are made for Jesus came that we would not live in bondage any longer. Jesus made a way that we would not have to choose bondage. We would not have to live in bondage, be subjected to it. But we continue to choose it because it is comfortable. And the ways of the Lord are not always clear. And they are definitely not easy. And they are terrifying in many instances. And we'll see that in just a moment. But many of us would choose slavery over freedom. For fear of dying in the wilderness. Dying because we doubt the faithfulness of he who called us into the wilderness. Verse 13, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And down to verse 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry by land, dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. How do we face, how do we face our future? This was the question we asked. When we, when we face an uncertain future, when we face an impossible future, how do we face it? What's the first thing we do? We have to start by facing fear. We cannot be a people that are influenced by fear, and a spirit of fear cannot be ignored. It cannot be ignored. I don't know how many times and since, since the pandemic to now, I have encountered churches, churches with thousands upon thousands of people that have changed the way they do things, and not for the good, but to tailor those that would say, you need to change because you are offensive to me. Your existence and your truth. Remember, the prophets have prophesied that we would come to a day where good would be seen as evil and evil would be seen as good. And we are in this place where you could be fired for saying a man cannot have a baby. That's insanity. It is absolutely insane. Good is evil in today's world and evil is praised as good. And I have seen churches that have because of the fear of those being offended and coming against them and specifically leaving, they have changed the way they operate and the truth that they deliver to tailor it to those that they would not be offended and they would stay in the seats. Now, see, I understand this fear very well because pastors are incredibly odd. 
Our heart breaks when people leave the church. Even people that hate us, we will still mourn when they leave. And it's not... In the spirit, it is a good thing because it is your heart breaking as God's heart is breaking because someone has said no to what Jesus had to offer. And that is heartbreaking. But in the flesh, if I begin to process that there, I begin to change what God has told me to speak that they might stay a little bit longer. But the truth that was then meant for them to set them free has now been changed, and there is no freedom in a manipulated truth. That is false doctrine. And I become a false prophet. The second I change what the Lord has spoken. But we have pastors who, through the best intentions, and you have to understand, I get it. I totally get it. Through the best intentions and fear of what could happen if they don't change, they have changed. We have changed. We are changing. We will stay silent versus speaking truth in moments because we fear what could be the result. Fear cannot be something that influences us. And fear, the spirit of fear, is not something you just pray away. And it's not something you just ignore. It must be acknowledged. You must meet fear face to face. The spirit of fear must be acknowledged, it must be bound, and then you must step over it. You must step over it. The world knows this to be true. How do you conquer your fear? You do the thing that you're afraid of doing. Is that true or, or not? How do you conquer your fear? I've seen it instilled in little kids. Coach a baseball league, Liam's baseball team, and little girl, terrified of the ball. Absolutely terrified. Put her in catcher's gear yesterday to be the catcher. She's got all the padding in the world. Terrified of the ball. But why did we put her there at catcher? Because that ball was coming to her every time. And through tears, we processed through becoming not afraid of this ball and recognizing it's just this little thing that I can have complete control over. But she had to face it. This six-year-old had to face a very real fear. We have a very natural instinct instilled in us before birth. No one teaches us this. If something is thrown at you, you move. So baseball is not natural. Sports are not natural. Because things are regularly being thrown at you, most of the time with aggression and urgency. And of course, we want to get out of the way. Because it's natural. It's instinctual. Self-preservation rules. And so we see this, we see this in children, so we must also see this in the church. The spirit of fear must be acknowledged and you must step through it. You must bind it, recognizing it has no power over you, only the power you allow it to have, but you must reclaim the power that you've given it and bind it, that it would fall flat on the floor, bound, not able to move, and then you step over it and you continue to move forward and it will stay bound in that place where you bound it, never to be released again until you come back, and if you cut those binds, that it could be free again. Only then will it be free. But the second you bind the spirit of fear, it is bound forever. We must remember, God did not bring us here to die. But in order to recognize that and truly understand that, we must also 
position ourselves for breakthrough. You have to understand in the story of the Israelites, they had an army that was coming after them. And if they had stayed still and refused to move, they would have died. God did not intend for them to die in the wilderness. He had no intention of them dying in the wilderness. He had every intention of leading them to the promised land where they could encounter freedom, where they could encounter the presence of God regularly as he had always intended. He did not intend for them to die in the wilderness. But had they stayed still, they would have indeed died. You need to hear that. Just because God does not intend for you to die does not mean you cannot die. You can die in the wilderness if you stay still and refuse to move. We must position ourselves for breakthrough. We cannot wait for breakthrough to come to us. We must come to the shore of it and press into it. That is the only way breakthrough is found. We must recognize, as Moses recognized for them, because they didn't recognize this, they were just in frustration and out of options. They were following the orders of Moses. But they must recognize, as Moses did, God in this season is our only option. And thank God that he is our only option. It is time for the people of God to know that he is our only option even when other options present themselves. But how do we learn that? We have to go through a season where he is absolutely the only option. There's nothing left on the table. If I'm to be fed, if I'm to drink water, if I am to live and take another breath, it will be by his grace and his grace alone. We must recognize that. We are in that season where he is our only option. To think that there are other options is foolishness. And we must, again, how do we face our future? We must exchange our wants for his will as Jesus did. Our example, Jesus, the perfect theology that we see, that we study, that we worship, he is our example and he laid down his life for the, his, his wants for the will of God. And guess what his wants were? His wants were just to continue to live. Have we ever come to that place of desperation? That my want is the most basic human desire to continue breathing. What, why does that kid move out of the way of that ball? Because in their DNA, their most basic instinct is to survive. That's why. It is to survive. We are just like animals in that sense. We just want to live. And Jesus had the most basic desire. That was his want. He didn't want money. He didn't want fame. He didn't want a nice house. He didn't want all the friends. He just wanted to be able to continue to breathe. But he laid down his wants for the will of God. He laid down his desire to live for the will of God. And guess what the will of God was? The will of God was for him to die. Is that the measure of our resolve? That if he wills me die in this moment, that I would not take another breath, I would rather his will than my want to live. Because that is what's required. We will always see a small portion if that is not the resolve of our heart, that I would desire God's will over my very breath in my lungs. We have to recognize that. If that's what Jesus did, yes, he had the Holy Spirit, and yes, we have that, but Jesus did not just simply have the Holy Spirit. Jesus had 
a desire that the will of God would exist beyond what he desires for himself. And if that does not exist in us, we will always only see in part. Is that the measure of my trust in this God I claim to love? That I would exchange my life for his will. We are commanded by Christ to love others as he first loved us. This love that lays down wants for will. This love that would lay down my life that you would find life. That would lay down my freedom that you could find freedom. That is the measure of Christ who is our example. That is how we face uncertain times. Another way that we're called, another building block upon this to face our future, we must realize that peace is practiced. Peace is a weapon. And you don't just pick up a sword and all of a sudden know how to use it. You must become familiar with it. You must hold it regularly. Same with, back to the baseball example, I've recognized with Liam, because he has a very natural fear of getting out of the way of the ball. And he's learning. But the only way for him to get comfortable with it is for me to keep throwing the ball at him. He has to continually have it. He has to be around it. And if you want to operate in peace in uncertain times, you must continually pick up peace. And you must stand in it and choose it. You must choose this weapon. You cannot just say, Lord, give me peace. He has given you the peace of heaven. He has also given you the blood of the prince of peace. You cannot get any more peace. There is no measure that can measure the amount of peace that has been released to you. But it is to be practiced. It is to be picked up. It is to be chosen in uncertain times. Picked up, practiced on a regular basis. And in uncertain times, we are instructed to stand firm and to hold on to peace through regular surrender. How do you hold on to peace? You surrender, recognizing, I can't do this. It must be him. And also recognize this. Surrender the work that the Lord has said he desires to do through you, recognizing that there is nothing in you that can do it without him. That should bring us peace. Because if this is his to do, I'm willing And I say yes to whatever he has. But if he's going to do it, he's got to do it. It's not mine to do. It's just mine to say yes to the things that he shows. It's mine to say yes when he highlights a footstep in the path. And in the wilderness, it's mine to step into. But that is where your job ends. At obedience. The fruit is his and his alone. And it it is his to own. And it is his reputation at stake. It is not ours to defend. So we must simply just say yes and surrender and take up peace. There is an army at our backs. And the Lord just gave me this clear vision last week. And it's just continued. There's an army coming at us. And I can, um, I I was talking to Jay about this. Um, I don't see us at the shore. I see one body. And I don't even see a body. I don't see a person. I see a set of feet. But I know that this set of feet belong to the body of Christ. All of us are held within it. And I see us just from about here down, standing on the shore. And there's water that's coming right up to our feet. Not quite touching it, but just coming right up. And the ground is physically shaking from the army that is coming after us. And we stand at this shore, and this shore is uncertain. 
Because we stand at it and there is no boat. There's no rescue team coming. All I see is this giant body of water that I can't hope to pass. I can't start swimming and get away from them. Every option ends right here at the, at the edge of this shore. I can do nothing any longer. I've done all that I can do. And this army is coming regardless. And the Lord showed me this moment that we would count as a hopeless moment, but is a designed moment. Because when I come to this place where I am out of options, I am at the shore and I don't know what else to do, what have I just done? I've stopped. There is a natural stop today that the Lord has designed for us to arrive at where we are standing at the shore and we are forced to stop because there are no other options and I cannot do anything. And I've come to this place where I cannot move. My options have been exhausted. The things that I can do have been exhausted. But God has placed this stop that we could stop at the shore and either turn back to bondage or trust him for breakthrough. To stand on this shore and, and, and anticipate God's intervention. So I'd ask you now, as we stand on this place, as you stand on this, un- facing these uncertain times, these impos- this impossible future that you face, I would ask you to begin in this moment to anticipate God's intervention. Because if you believe that God did not lead you out here to die and you have moved to this place where you naturally come to a stop, you must trust that God is providing a way where there is no way. God has placed this stop that we would anticipate his intervention. Godly men, godly women, they anticipate God's intervention at every moment of uncertainty and every moment of difficulty. Both godly men and godly women standing firm, leaning into hope, standing in the face of an impossible situation. We do not try to run from it. We do not try to fast forward it. We do not try to ignore it, and we do not try to fix it. We are not meant to try and fix this situation. When there is an army coming and you stand alone at the shore, how are you to fix that situation? You can try and try and try, but every option would be exhausted, and it would be useless, futile. There would be nothing that came from it but your exhaustion and your turmoil. Only God we must recognize that we cannot obsess over things that only God can do. This future that we face can only be met with heavenly solutions. I need you to hear that again. The future that we face, the future that you face in your own personal story and the future that we face as a body of Christ can only be met with heavenly solutions. There are no earthly solutions to be discovered. None that will produce what God has said he is to produce. Heavenly solutions are all. And if heavenly solutions, who is the author of heavenly solutions? God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And we must trust in him, recognizing that if it is a heavenly solution that is required, I must turn to a heavenly God because he is the one that produces it. Exodus 14, again, verse 13. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. 
The Lord will fight for you. You have only be silent. I want you to hear this too. The uncertainty that has driven you to this place. The fear of what is coming behind you. The Lord has no intention of just separating you from it. That it would be far off in the distance. He has every intention of absolutely destroying it. That you would never see it again. The things that, that cause turmoil in us. Uh, the things that cause us worry, the things that cause us doubt. God in this season and in this moment has every intention of totally wiping it off the face of the earth that you would never encounter it again. He told the Israelites they would never see the Egyptians again. That's a bold statement. A bold statement that we can't understand how he could do that. How could they... Their oppressors for 400 years, how could their oppressors just be gone to where they would never see them again? How could, they can't comprehend that because generation after generation after generation after generation has seen them every day. And now there comes this one that will never see him, that a generation would come after those that were freed that would not know who the Egyptians were. Only stories. What have we talked about for years and years and years that we would raise up a generation that does not know what fear is, that does not know what doubt is, that does not know turmoil, that does not know a false identity, that does not know hopelessness. That is what the Lord has said he is doing. That a generation would rise up and they would not be familiar with these things. They would only hear stories of it. How does that happen? He has to wipe it out of us. He has to destroy it in us before it could ever be a story that we tell to them because they just have no way of articulating it for themselves. He has to destroy it in us. And we do not need to know how he will do it. We only need to believe that he will do it. So before we move on, I would ask you, is the how what is stopping you are you coming to the shore of an uncertain and an impossible future and recognizing there's no way he can do this? I don't know how he could do this. And turning back to bondage because you can articulate how that works. The how has been what's tripping up the people of God. But that has never been ours to carry and never been ours to worry about. Only knowing the truth that God will do what he said he's going to do. I don't care how, he's just going to do it. We have got to stop wrestling with this question of how. Don't let the how be what keeps you from pressing in. Israelites could have not moved forward and allowed Egypt to destroy them by standing still. And they didn't know how God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And they would have never guessed what he did. If you gave them 400 years on that shore, they would have never guessed he was going to do it. So there is no point in you wrestling with the how and trying to figure it out. All that creates is turmoil because you can never be the God of creativity. And you do not exist out of time and space. You do not exist out of the, the law of physics. You do not exist outside of these things as the God that we serve does. So don't wrestle with how because you cannot comprehend it. But we stand on the shore and God has designed this stop for us. There is just this vision again of us standing there. And there's a moment of anticipation. And I love Exodus 14. The Lord will fight for you. You have only be silent. 
Is that a difficult job? The Lord will fight for you. You have only be silent. That is the only requirement in this moment, is that you be silent. And the Lord gave me this vision very clearly. To see his intervention, to receive him, to receive the breath of God that is to be released over this body, the same breath of God. He just hit me with the breath of God this week, just speaking it over and over and over again, that he would breathe upon us. The same breath, he said, the same breath that I breathed to part the Red Sea. I will breathe over you the same breath that created the heavens and the earth, the stars in the sky. I will breathe over you. The same breath of heaven that has released provision for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years, he will release over us. He's going to breathe on us this morning. On you, breakthrough has arrived. The uncertain times, the impossible future we face is being parted this morning. A path is being made for you where there was no path. But this is the rest of the vision. As I saw these feet standing in uncertain times, anticipating God's intervention, the breakthrough came when they began to take a step where there should not be a step taken. There was water. This is not solid ground. But as this foot stepped out, the seas parted. Just as Moses was commanded, raise your staff. That has nothing to do with... You cannot measure, be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember reading in the instructional manual of carrying a staff that if you raise it, waters part. That's not what it said. That's not how it works. But he raised that staff... And the seas began to part. And it formed a wall. And it formed, this is the most important part, it formed a path where there was no path. About six weeks ago, God said that he will create doors where there are no doors. He will create a door for you to walk through where there has not been a door. Most times we think God just opened the right doors. He is going, we are in a season now where there are, these doors don't exist until God says that they do, that we could walk through them. But the thing about this journey is we are, not meant to, we are not meant to stand and wait for a door. The Lord has designed this stop this morning that we could come to this recognition that God is intervening on my behalf. And when I believe that statement, I take a step. And the water parts. That is the vision that God has given me this morning. And so there is nothing uh, tricky, there's nothing fancy about this. I would just ask, this, this is just what the Lord showed me, that we would stand and we would just stop and be silent, like, like actually silent. Don't pray. Don't pray in your own mind. Everything that you could ask for has already been released to you, is what I'm saying. But sometimes we keep asking for intervention. We keep asking for his help. That the question actually becomes the distraction from receiving the help. If you've asked it, if you are a son, if you are a daughter, and you have asked God, who does not sit on a throne but dwells in our midst, if you have asked him for help, do you doubt that he has already come? No, he is already here. 
He has already released the help. The second you began to just utter it, he released it. Because he is a good and perfect father. And if my son came to me asking for help, I would not delay in offering that help. And I am imperfect. But he is perfect. So how much more help will a perfect father give his children? Whom he did not withhold his only son to save. That is the standard of his help that he offers. That he would sacrifice the prince of peace to the grave that you could find life again. If that's the standard, is there anything he won't do for us? No. So there's no need to ask it again. There's no need to begin to intercede. The only need you have is trust that he will fight for you and be silent. And as you receive in your heart, as you receive this truth, that God will fight for me. And God has made a way where there is no way. When you can say that this is true. I believe this to be true. Even if you have a moment of struggle. If you're still like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Because I can't see how you're going to do this. I don't know how you're going to do this. And I'm worried about how this is all going to work out. I don't care. Just say yes and take a step into the water. Because what you will find as your foot hits the ground is you will find dry ground. You will not find water underneath your feet. You will find solid ground because the Lord is creating a path where there was no path. The Lord is creating a path where it is impossible to create a path. This does not exist where someone can just walk and part the sea. The Lord is creating that for you today, but you have to step into it. If you will press into the breakthrough, it is here for you. It has arrived. That doesn't mean that the earth is going to shake. That doesn't mean that you're going to be overcome with emotions. That just means that you say yes. Because the Israelites, it's important to recognize the Israelites were still in the wilderness after all of this. They were still not in an easy place to be. Their oppressor was gone and they had encountered full and complete freedom, but they were not in an easy place. But they knew that God would provide. And let us learn from their lesson and not be those quick to forget how he parted the sea for us this morning. I would like to say that if I saw that in real life, you would never be able to get me to not talk about the power and provision of my God. But I am imperfect as the Israelites were imperfect. Let us not be those that are quick to forget that we walked through a sea that was parted on our behalf that we walked through on dry ground where there was not meant to be dry ground. We walked on a path that was not meant to ever exist. Don't let us, let us not forget that as he brings that provision this morning. So I would just ask you now in this moment of obedience to stand. And we're just, we're going to be silent. We're not, we're not going to jump back into worship. We're just going to be silent. And, um, we, again, like I said, we've got our Mother's Day stuff at the end. Um, but in this moment, again, it's not anything fancy. I have no idea how long it's meant to last. So I'll just sit in it. And when the Lord says we're good, then we'll, we'll move on. But also understand that the Lord may keep you here in this moment until you say yes. There was vision several weeks ago of God 
of Jesus standing on the waves of uncertain times of heavy and shakable waters. Wind and waves crashing all around us. And he was calling us to walk on the water with him. But he was also pushing us out of the boat. Recognize we are in this moment. That he is pushing you into the water and you will either step or you'll step. He'll keep you there until you take that step. Because what he has for us is for you. And he's a good God. So he's just not going to let his children go from a place that they're meant to be in. Do you understand? And I have the mic, so and I'll lock the doors. We've got cake and water. We can last for a couple days. But if we need to, we will. I'm very serious. And I speak, I speak this over myself. I will not relinquish this time until it is true of me that I'm stepping into breakthrough and not turning back to bondage. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.